David Butler Studio Podcast. We'd like to begin today by acknowledging the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, the traditional custodians of the land on which we're recording. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Sovereignty was never ceded. It always was and always will be Aboriginal land. He. Him. And what a, it was such a natural opening. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> so Aaron Neville. Aaron Neville. I never remember what that guy's name is, but it is the most distinctive, ridiculous voice. I love his voice. Like, it is the most <laughs> natural reverb any human being has ever had. It's like he's... But I Live from live from the Titanic at the bottom of the sea. Oh. That may be all I need to know. <laughs> are we are we both recording now? We are both recording. Hey! Hey! Not just welcome. Fun. Ladies and gentlemen of the Heme Podcast. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, that's a better thing to say. It's uh, it's actually something I want to start incorporate. I think I might have already told you that. Mm. I want to start incorporating that as much because I've for years now as Peppy, I've always co- kind of collectively referred to the crowd as darlings. Yes, and it yeah yeah. Originally, it wasn't. Um, in an attempt to not gender the crowd or mm. anything like that. It, to, to be honest, when I first started doing it, it, that wasn't on my wavelength, yeah. which is, well, it is what it is. It just was the most natural, kind of naturally occurring thing to say. Yeah. It, oh. So natural, in fact, that when Benji started uh, doing <laughs> Mini Peppy, yes. he also naturally gravitated to darlings. <laughs> and with the limp wrist as well. Without so any coaching or direction. None whatsoever. He was <sighs> just so in it. Yeah. <laughs> you got a theatrical one on your hands. Oh, don't I know it. <laughs> oh, it's adorable. What's he playing at the moment? He's like versing himself and we had to wish him luck. I think it has something to do with Roblox. Oh. Maybe Minecraft. Okay. I'm not sure. I'm uh, not sure. There are a million games on that tablet <laughs> at this point. So. I have to admit, sometimes when... And it's not, not specifically the kids. It's like... some Just when people talk about games in general, I'm like, I don't know what that is. I'm sorry. Exactly. They're like, oh yeah, I was doing this Megatron thing, Majiggy. I'm like... <laughs> Oh, yeah. See, Megatron is a reference I do understand. Yeah. Because I'm from the 80s. <laughs> what was it like? What were, what were the 80s like? Oh, it was the best. Was it? It was really the best. I was conceived in the 80s. Oh, well, somebody else was having the best time too. <laughs> uh, miraculous conception I was once referred to. <laughs> uh, tonight, uh, we should mention that we are not sponsored by the Indigo Organic Grape Growers Collective. Mm. Victorian Shiraz... Vegan friendly. Oh, it is vegan friendly. It says vegan friendly. Excellent. Yes. So that means it wasn't clarified with eggs. Sure. Because most wines, if, well, wines if they're not vegan, are clarify. There's a clarifying process that involves egg whites. Oh. Hmm. Well, I also am friendly to most vegans, and I also was not clarified with egg whites. So I, I guess that makes sense. There's, That's... there's, there's something really linear there. I, th- I feel. It's a full circle moment. Yeah. A linear full circle. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And we've just lost 10,000 listeners. (laughs) Wait, we had 10,000 listeners? I mean, we can can only hope. Now we're down to one. (laughs) (laughs) My mum. She won't listen to this. Um, She doesn't know what a podcast is. Good for her. 
that, that no, I podcasts were the best thing that I ever discovered. I found them, I think, in year twelve. I started listening to a couple of different podcasts. It was like right back when it was starting. Yeah, and it was just it was nice to kind of be a fly on the wall to people's conversations and yeah. Yeah, yeah. I. Uh, at this point, I'm addicted to several podcasts. Mm. All of my podcasts are about American politics, mm. which means I'm constantly in a bad mood. <laughs> <laughs> ah. so, so podcasts are not uh, the friendliest thing for me. Sure. There are some... You listen to Shop Talk, though. Shop Sounds, yes, Shop I sounds do. Great. Yes, I love yes. Uh, the Shop Sounds. And that that's fairly recent, though. I've only been listening to that one for the, for the past right. few months after discovering... Um, Bourbon Moth Woodworking yeah. Yes Jason Hibbs So uh, good YouTube, Whom I love I love following yes. him Yeah So do you listen to that podcast When you're working In the shed Or like When is your podcast time So I will listen At all kinds of random times um, So when I'm Working in the shop Sometimes I will have A, a podcast on I, I like to um, Put my headphones on And listen to a podcast While I'm doing tasks around the house so if i'm washing the dishes Mm -hmm. if i'm doing the laundry if i'm mowing the lawn um in the shop i generally will not be listening to maybe this is ironic but i will not be listening to the woodworking podcast because i like to have music on while i'm working sure um mostly because i i don't want to concentrate on what other people are saying while i'm trying to concentrate on what i'm working on Fair. So I can have the music on and just sort yeah. of zone out, sing along, whatever. And yes. Yeah, it's not distracting. Mm. Um, but in the car as well. It's, it's interesting. It's for that reason that I... Not not counter to that, but I can't listen to music going to bed, going to sleep, because I listen to... Same. I just... it. I can't switch off to it because I'm engaged in it. I'm listening to, like, the bass line of it. I'm following the chord progression. I'm listening yes. to the construction of... That's so funny because I literally just said that I can't listen to podcasts while I'm in the shop because I concentrate on them. Mm. And yet podcasts are what I put on to go to sleep. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, yes, that's what my bedtime listening is. I I always put a podcast on depending on what I'm in the mood for, but it's usually either just ramblings or comedians or drag. Right. Based podcasts is usually what I listen to as I go to sleep. Anyway, what is the topic for for this evening? Well, um, <laughs> great setup. Thanks. <laughs> Um, and the handball well um, because I had said to you because we have uh, a couple of uh, topics the the thing I was going to say about Don Windsor is we're hoping to get him in at some point to sit down and talk about fatherhood and and parenting yes Um, because I mean you and I both love Don and Don hates podcasts. I mean, I, I don't... I, I think Don's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, no, I, that, that's... Uh, that was a dead-end story. <laughs> no. That's, Don will be, uh, we hope, will yes. be a, a guest uh, yes. in future at some point. Yeah. yeah. I, I would love to get his input. Because he, like you and I conversation is able to flow yeah and he is also um a an extremely dedicated father to his two boys oh my god absolutely yeah yeah it'll it'll be really good to have that conversation with him Yeah, yeah absolutely um another i don't know if it's on our list but it occurred to me tonight uh over dinner um social media oh yeah oh there's a there's a kettle of worms isn't it Mm. Um, I don't know whether or not you wanted to to touch on that tonight, but I have been reflecting on my relationship with social media lately. Let's wing it. Go for it. Ta- let's wing it. Talk about oh it. Yeah. God. Let's 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 dive into <laughs> social media. Social media things that make me angry. <laughs> <laughs> things that are specifically designed to make us angry. Yeah. Mm. Um. 
I've been reflecting a lot on my relationship with social media um, lately. And it feels like, to some degree, a necessary evil. Because it is, legitimately, it is a... I think what it is, is that it's a useful tool, but it's the, the trade-off of using it as the useful tool that it is is that so much shit comes with that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. our family chat is on Facebook Messenger. I don't have the Facebook app on my phone and have been grateful to be off it. Mm. I know I have missed things. I've missed invites to different bits and pieces. Mm. But I, I feel better for not having the feed, just, you know, scrolling through the feed. Mm. Um, but that, that being said, I fall into the same trap on Instagram. Yeah. You know, um, Instagram, though, notably reputa- reputedly being the those um, syllables, <laughs> being the, the friendlier yes. of the social media platforms. Yes. Yeah. And I do find so like my measure, this is going back a couple of years ago. And this is when I not deleted the Facebook app, but I turned my notifications off. Mm. It was when I flew to Tassie for my nan's funeral and I was like, I'm just not going to be contactable today. So I turned off all my, you know, like messenger apps and all sure. of that sort of thing. Just all stuff other than turning my phone off. Everything was off. Yeah. And it was so nice. Yeah. It was actually really lovely not to be immediately contactable. People could kind of just like have to leave a message and I would answer when I could. Yeah. Rather than... Oh, shit. Because I think you're like me as well. If you see someone's messaged you, you're like, oh, well, I'll, I'll, I don't want them to wait on me and I'll get back. Depends who it is. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm grateful to be one of those people. You are absolutely one of those um, people. Because you, you are, without fail, very prompt to respond. Yeah. There are some people uh, for whom I will immediately jump on it. <laughs> Leave it on red. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, now that is one of the things... That has really bothered me. And I feel like it's a multifaceted issue, right? Mm. Because uh, this is something I could dive into. So Let's do. Let's dive. So let's dive. Let's dive again. (laughs) So uh, several months ago now, I sent around an invite for uh, like a movie night at, at my place. And I sent it around to a bunch of friends and... When you create a, I created a Facebook event for it, right? I was like, movie night at our place. And when people see you, that you've invited them to your Facebook thing, it'll tell you it's been seen by this person, right? Yes. And so I uh, had seen that, that there were several people that I'd invited who had um, seen the invite and had not responded. And so I gave it a day. And I thought, you know, sometimes you see it and then you've got to check your schedule or whatever, you know. And and then I gave it another day and still just had no response. And so I went, ah, you know what? And I I think it came up to the point where it was a couple of days before and um, very few people. I think there was only actually one person who had said, yes, I'll come. And so I went, oh, you know what? It's not. I'll I'll just cancel it because we had other stuff to do anyway. Sure. And then it was a few weeks later, I did something else, like there was some other event that was happening and I sent around messages and I said, hey, you know, this is going on. Um, Do we want to get together for it? I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was another thing where I think I'd sent this one around in in Messenger. And obviously in Messenger, you can also see when people have seen the message Mm -hmm. and I just got no responses. And I went, what? And I got really angry about it. And I actually, at that point, like I let people know, I was like, I don't know what the deal is here, but mm. because I, I feel like it's a double-edged sword, right? On one hand, I can understand why the constant messaging and social media, like we've created a culture of immediacy where mm. we we just expect instant gratification yeah. all the time, right? Yeah. And, you know, we expect responses from people. And, you know, there's also like at the moment, we're in a global pandemic. People are going through stuff. So, you know, some people are struggling with depression, other mental health issues, just generally being in a sour mood because it's been, particularly here in Victoria, it's been a rough time for these last two years. So people might might just not be in the headspace to immediately respond to messages, right? I, I get that. On the other side of that same coin, I feel like because we now communicate with each other 
so much through text, right? And, and as a matter of fact, our generation and younger have actually kind of made it a meme where, you know, don't ever call me because I won't ever answer the phone. I don't want to hear your voice. I want a text I can respond to, right? Yeah. But then we see the text and we still don't respond. And when... It's something in constant deterioration. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, our, our interpersonal relations are deteriorating. Mm. And it's funny because, you know, we were laughing a minute ago about me being from the 80s, but I remember as a child, before cell phones were a thing, so do I. the phone would ring and you didn't know who it was. Yep. But if the phone rang and it was for you, it was, it was exciting. Like, it was yeah. like, oh, the phone's for me. Yeah. And now Even it's like... Even if it was the police. <laughs> which it often was. No, that's not true. Oh, God. Um, but yeah, like, it, you know, that was an exciting thing. And now we have sort of flipped that completely on its head where getting a phone call actually gives us anxiety, right? Yes. That, like, that's I a thing that's... definitely experienced that. Because yeah. you see who's calling you and you immediately start scanning going, what have I missed? What have I done? What's happening? What like before you even answer the call, you're like trying to get ahead of what this call could be about. Yeah, or, or I mean, it's, that's speaking. It's for even myself. just it's almost like we treat it as an inconvenience. Like, oh, I don't want to have to pick up the phone and talk to someone about you know mm. I don't know what this is going to be about. And you know, as you said, yeah. but on the back of that, we've kind of we've now created this culture where texting is basically the acceptable medium for communication, right? Even mm. with our close friends, like yeah. I mean, aside from maybe a few exceptional circumstances, we don't call each other. We text first and we wait for a response. Yeah. And so because we have now created this culture where that is the most acceptable form of communication, if I text you and you see it and you don't respond, that is exactly the same as me seeing you in a, in a room somewhere. Yeah. And I walk up to you and I go, hey, David, how are you? And you turn and look at me and openly acknowledge that you've heard me mm. and then ignore me completely and don't respond. Yes. It is that level of rude, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was a long way to go. No, no, no. It's, it, it's interesting. I, this monster that we have created is horrific. Um, I definitely experienced that anxiety when somebody calls. I'm sure I have accidentally done it but i don't leave people on red i will leave messages unopened until i can get back to them yes yeah i do that too because it i hate the idea of opening a message reading it and going cool i'll get back to them and then forgetting yeah because we live in such a saturated time where there is so much happening yeah that like i will go downstairs to put a load of washing on i'll see something and i'll like put the piano away or I'll fix that thing and then I'll go straight back upstairs completely forgetting that I went downstairs to do the washing. Yeah. Right? It's just whatever immediately engages us takes our yeah. attention and yeah. as a result I know I would forget to get back to people. Mm. And it, it drives me insane that I'm in, I feel like I'm in this constant battle between I want to engage with people and I want to respond but also I feel just way too contactable and I feel way too... Yeah, and I think that's that's a really good point because calling back to what we were just speaking about a few minutes ago in the days before I, like, phones... If you called somebody and they were out, they were just out. Yeah, yeah. You and you left a message yeah. and they would get back to you. But also, generally people didn't call you unless they were a really close friend yeah. and you know they really had something to say. Yes. There was not idle chatter the way there is now. Mm. And yeah, I, I think I think that's actually a very valid point because we are so contactable mm. and we are so online all the time that there is that element of saturation as you said that yeah. that you know in previous lifetimes yeah. yeah like it, it decades just, yeah i mean literally yeah but you know that wouldn't have been an issue so yeah it, i suppose i miss i i miss a, that a little bit yeah I, I oh miss, yes i i i've got a booking uh next month for for something and the person who is booking me if i don't get back to them within an hour their email they call me and i'm like Sorry, I'm I'm not on your schedule. I'm like I'm teaching clients. Yeah. I've got a yeah. theater company that I'm involved with. I've also got a social life. I also need to unplug. Yeah. Like, sorry. Yeah. 
It's like your last email was at 5.30. I've responded to that email. Mm. You've sent a, a follow-up. And I'm like, I will respond in the morning. Because mm. I'm not going to sit here on my... Like, oh, just one more email. Just one more email. Because then it's like 9 o'clock at night. Yeah. And I'm still sitting there doing fucking emails. Yeah. My, my therapist made a point of saying that I need to... And, and it's not, this is not a, an en masse generalization that fits everybody. For my work and life balance and lifestyle um, and the way my workday looks, he has said, allow half an hour in the morning mm-hmm. before you start teaching to answer emails, respond to texts, that sort of thing. Yeah. Then you have half an hour to an hour, depending on how many at the end of the day or in the middle of the day before you start teaching in the afternoon again. Yeah. But it's those two brackets that I am on email accessible. Yeah. I'm not just... And it's hard because I definitely fall into the trap of checking my emails just as I go to bed. Like as I, I'll comfy down, set my podcast up ready to hit play. Yeah. And I'll just quickly check my email. <laughs> and it's like... And I, even as I'm doing it, I'm going, why are you doing this to yourself? Yeah. Because then you've got, oh, fuck, there's that email I'll have to get back to. Yeah. Uh, and then you train a person as to how to interact with you and what to expect of you. Yes. Because if I then respond at 11, 30, 12 o'clock at night... They know that that's the kind of thing you do. Yeah. yeah. They're like, it cultivates the expectation that I'm going to respond. Yeah. It's one of the things that I have purposely avoided in uh, for the past several years, uh, probably the close to... I don't know, five five years now. Right. But I remember um, when inspiration. I <laughs> when I first moved to Melbourne, my first job here, um, they gave me a work phone. It was the first job I'd ever had where I had a work phone, and I kind of felt a little important because mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, I've got a work phone. Fancy. I've got I've got two phones." Yeah. And actually, having two phones was a pain in the ass. Awful. Um, but they had set up that phone so that I could get my emails, I could get texts and stuff like that to do with work anytime, all the time. And at first, I thought, oh, this is great. Because, you know, like I said, I felt a little important having a work phone for the first time. That got old real quick. Mm. And then in subsequent jobs, um, the IT department has always had the capability, like, oh, if you go through these steps, you can install this on your phone, and then you can have access to your work emails and everything on your phone. And I was like, never. I will never, ever do that. I have work for work, and I have... This is this is my time. Yeah. You pay me a salary to be available to you during these hours. Yes. That's it. That's all That's you're it. getting from me. Yes, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. I, I, I may be fuzzy on the details here, but my dad's work in Tasmania, they recently were trying to bring in, and I don't think it was successful, they were trying to bring in that um, the company would subsidize 30% of it's workers mobile bills yeah for everybody to be on this app and to give access remote access to their devices how about to, no it's like how about no scott you crazy dutch bastard <laughs> <laughs> Um, so cutting back to social media, yeah. one of the podcasts that I, uh, have been listening to. So one of my, so my favorite podcast is, uh, called pod save America. And, um, one of the hosts of, uh, pod save America has started a little offshoot, uh, that, that, um, he's been doing for the past couple of months, which is called offline. Um, and what he does is he gets a different guest on for a, like a one hour interview basically, which is sort of just like what we do here, which is sort of a back and forth, but mm-hmm. they talk about, um, social media and the, the positives and negatives of it. And then they talk about the ability to unplug and get away from your social media, get away from the internet and be offline, yeah. um, and exist in the world uh, the way we used to yeah. back in those days. Um, so for you, what is your favorite way to unplug? Oh, that's a great question. 
I enjoy going for a walk, taking the dog to the park, um, sharing a meal, and leaving the phone somewhere else. Yes, you're you're uh, you're notorious about about that. Well, I'm notorious, but I but I'm the only one. I mean, in a good way. Sure, sure, yeah. but it's. And it, it is reaching more and more of a breaking point. And it's a, a, the, I suppose the thing... Thank you. No worries. The, oh, it's a beautiful sound. Beautiful sound. The thing I struggle with with that is how much of it is my own boundary... How much can I reasonably make that ask of those around me? Mm-hmm. How much of it is my responsibility to just disengage? Or, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that—that—that's the the difficult thing because I don't feel like it is appropriate for me to. I said this to Josh just yesterday. I was like, "It is not appropriate for me to say, right? Nobody's allowed on their phones for this meal. Mm. Like, who the." F- fuck am I to tell people what to do with their own private property? Yeah. It's for me to to make that choice for myself. Yeah. Um, but you, you're right. I don't like being on my phone when I'm spending time with close friends and family. And I, yeah. I Because I want to be here in the moment. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be trying to fucking document it for future or, sh- or exhibiting it to others yeah. to kind of be like, look what I've got. Yeah. Like, who am I impressing? Plus, I'm also not paying attention and not here yeah. if I'm broadcasting it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and I think as I've been kind of thrashing it out and, and exploring it more and more, I think my delineation is when it is for work, when it is promoting something or advocacy or yeah that sort of thing i am all for it yeah matter of fact i noticed that because you you don't you don't put too much on your like your instagram stories but around january 26th you were all over it yeah so yeah absolutely because it's my impact is going to be negligible anyway but at least because like i'm not going to go to an australia day Party. I'm not going to be like waving the Australian flag. Yes. Because January 26th is a day of mourning. Yeah. And in what small way I can contribute to amplifying the voices of First Nations people who should be heard on that day. Mm. Specific. I mean, they should be heard every day. Yeah. But that day in particular. Yeah. It's. Yes. I. But you're right that I don't put a lot on my social media story. Mm. Um, I, I don't do a lot of social media in general. Yeah, It does nothing for me. And I, I would be very happy to not be involved in it at all. Yeah, But that's not the reality of the world that we live in. And it's also not the reality of how I can function successfully. In a professional capacity. In a professional capacity. Yeah. And also to, to be able to positively impact people the way i hope to as a teacher yeah um just through visibility as a gay man Mm. who when i was a child i we've talked about this before when i was a child i didn't have any visible gay men around me i've come to know later that there were gay people around me and there was always this inexplicable draw to those people but it wasn't tangible it wasn't open it wasn't talked about Mm. it was this unknown thing yeah. So I, I know, and this is not to pat myself on the back, this is not because I feel like I'm some sort of messiah or, or anything like that. But oh, Well, I'll just, put the, uh, I'll just put the religious artifacts away. I mean, you know, I love to get nailed, but... <laughs> Sorry, the Christians will get really cross. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, so, <laughs> but I, I know because it has been said to me a couple of times... Um, that just me being me and being visible as me has had a positive impact on other young gay men mm. and other queer people. Yeah. Um, just as a, they're not alone, they've got a, an example of, oh, 
I'll be okay. Oh, I can have that kind of life or I can, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever that thing is. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to have that impact if I wasn't in some way visible, in some way accessible. And in today's world, that way is social media. Yeah. And I, and I suppose there's an interesting dichotomy in that as well, because we import upon ourselves a responsibility to be public figures at the same time as just being people. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, what, what you're just, what you were just saying right now is that, you know, you're just, you're living your life hmm. as, a, as a teacher, as a gay man, yep. as a drag personality, yep. as a professional who exists in a, you know, as a performer. Hmm. Um, that's, your, that's your humanity. That's your livelihood. It's hmm. your life. But there, there's almost like a pressure on us at the same time to exhibit that yep. to the public in a way that we feel makes some kind of impact hmm. on other people. And that impact can be very real and it can be very positive. Yes. But at the same time, what toll does that take on us? Yeah. And how far do we allow that to sort of take over our, our, you know, to encroach, I guess is the better way to put it, to encroach on our private lives? Yes. Um, and I guess that's a decision everyone has to make for themselves. But I, Absolutely. Do, I do certainly feel like there's a trade-off between uh, genuine happiness mm. and the need to... Because I suppose uh, when we make ourselves into public figures, and this may not apply to everyone, but there's also that sort of need or expectation for the validation of response from the community mm. when we do share something. Yeah. Um, A good way to put it, the, the trade-off and the toll that it takes. And yeah. I think lately, or in the last couple of months, I've been feeling the toll more and more. Mm. And it's really only been recently that I've started to be able to connect the dots and attribute it to, oh, it's this. Mm. It's may, it may not be the whole thing, but it's, it's like this is a big part of it. And I don't say that out of judgment for anybody who wants to broadcast and document every aspect of their life on social media. It's like, that's great. It's just not for me. Mm. And less and less, I, I don't want to be a part of it. Yeah. I, I feel myself wanting to very consciously withdraw from that. Yeah. And I've, I've had that same feeling over the past probably year or so since I've gone off Facebook. Yeah. Uh, Facebook in particular, because I find Facebook to be the most... Such a vapid, gross... It's vile. It's horrible. Yeah. And it's so blatant, the echo chamber that it creates, and yeah. it is constructed in such an insidious way that it it pokes the bear. Yeah. It is in it's entirely there to either confirm your bias mm. or push your button so you get more fucking angry about yeah. something. Actually, you know, it's funny because I have, I've been off Facebook... Largely, I still have my Facebook account because, you know, as we say, we do need it for things from time yeah. to time. Yeah. But I don't look at it. I don't generally use it anymore. Um, but while I was in quarantine over Christmas, because Claire tested positive for COVID, mm. um, and I was just sitting in a hotel room for five or six days straight, I did jump on Facebook out of sheer boredom. Yeah. And one of the things that occurred to me immediately as I was reading through the posts is how many men I know like me, just white guys who think they know stuff, who go on Facebook and just share stuff from this point of view of, uh, I don't want to say holier than thou, but it's, you know, we're... We're just, we're, we're an overconfident bunch, sure. you know, and, <laughs> sure. and I was kind of grossed out by that. And I was grossed out by the fact that at one point, surely that was me as well. Cause mm -hmm. I used to use Facebook as a, a bully pulpit, as a, as my stump. And I remember specifically it was 2015, the Adam Goods controversy mm -hmm. over, I don't know if you, I know you're not much into sports, but I don't know. So I don't know if this came across your radar, but yeah. Adam Goods was uh, who used to sit, uh, used to play for the Sydney Swans was playing against Collingwood, uh, and there was a, a young girl in the stands who um, started shouting 
racist comments at him and he was over near the sidelines and he pointed her out and security came and escorted her out of the ground mm. and it was a huge deal right and adam good started to cop all kinds of flack as an indigenous man yeah um for the the really public and unapologetic stance that he was taking yeah. against racism and it, i mean in my point of view there was just no argument to be made here correct a young girl had called him an ape yeah, That's, disgusting. Yes. Disgusting behavior, the accountability that follows of behaving in such a way means yeah. you're removed. Yeah, and, you know, at the same time, I th- from memory, she was 13 years old. And as a child, oh, I think God. this is something, this is not behavior that, this is behavior that she's learned from the people Absolutely. around her. You that, know? That's not just authentically coming from her. Yeah. That's, and so... She's echoing something that has been... Exactly, yeah. And so I was incensed by everything that was happening. And so I jumped on Facebook. It was like 11 o'clock at night one night. I was just in the mood. And I jumped on Facebook and I wrote a public post. And it was probably the first time I'd gone on a really big rant. Right. And I woke up the next morning and that post had been viewed and shared and liked more than any other post I'd ever. And, and like it went viral. I was watching it explode over the course of the next couple of days. Right. And I think it got like 50,000 likes and it was shared 18,000 times or something like that. And it just like, it was everywhere. And I was going, oh my God. And for me, that was like an adrenaline rush. I yeah. was like, oh, I'm, I'm popular. Yes. And then uh, one of the editors from Business Insider contacted me and said, hey, we've seen this. Can we publish it on our website? And I was like, of course. And then, you know, and so it, it just became bigger than Ben Hur. And I took that momentum and I was like, oh well, now I'm gonna now I'm gonna start doing this regularly because I got a high from mm. from that kind of popularity hit. And so I started making other posts, and the next couple of posts I made were were popular, but not as popular as that one. And I went, oh, what did I? I was analyzing it. I was like, oh, yeah. you know, I stirred up controversy. What do I need to do better? Yeah. What, how do I tap into that? Yeah. Again? Like I was making people angry. People were arguing in the comments and there was getting a, it was a lot of engagement. That's what I need. So I need to say things that are controversial and explosive. And so I started tailoring my posts to deliberately be more incisive and more uh, sensational. Right. And it was over the course of probably the next six or eight months that I went, you know, I came to that realization. I was like, oh my God, this is, this is what this is doing to us as a society Yeah, is the, the Facebook app and the other social media apps want us to be more engaged all the time. And so this is what they're doing. Mm. But not just that, like the, the real media as well is out oh, there. Oh, absolutely. And, and revenue. Absolutely. The clickbait and the, yeah. like I can't remember who it was just the other day. We may have even been here in the, it was, it was um, the women's final. And in the Australian was, Open, yeah. Yeah, and there was the, a current affair ad came on. I think it was Lillian that said, a current affair haven't changed their script for decades. mm and it's so right because it is like the ad is constructed in such a way that it gives you just little bite-sized pieces of information, not at all related to one another, like little pops of information from this story that are going to get you fucking angry or involved. Yeah. And it's delivered in this high stakes way that you're like, oh, I've got a fucking opinion on that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's just like it, they're mashing that button to draw that out of us it's it they're taking advantage of and but that doesn't mean that it's entirely their fault it is their fault but we also have a responsibility to recognize in ourselves what is being done to us we are still accountable for our own actions and that's i think what a lot being, of us miss yes yeah is that i certainly don't pat myself on the back in terms of being able to recognize that but i do have a better sense now of when i am being manipulated in such a way that yeah. if i read something i go Oh, I rem- actually, I can tell you when it started, when my frame of reference started to change. And it was in year 10. I was uh, taught by an English teacher named Mr. Main. He was amazing. And in, no, it was year 11, beg your pardon. It was English communications was the class mm-hmm. in uh, TCE, which is the Tasmanian Certificate of Education. So years 11 and 12, there are three possible English subjects. There's English communications, uh, English writing and english literature or english study or something something around that and english communication centers around 
how language is used to position. Right. It centers around how advertising works. Persuasiveness. Absolutely. Yeah. And how putting a comma in a certain place completely reframes a sentence. <laughs> how the choice of color, the choice of font, the way that the language is positioned and the timing of it, all of that, the way we communicate. Yeah. How manipulative it is. Yeah. Um, one of the example films of many over the course of the year, one of the example films was Bowling for Columbine. Columbine, yeah. yeah. The, the, um, Michael Moore. Michael Moore. Yeah. I nearly said Michael Myers. So thank you for jumping <laughs> in. Very different film. Um, the, the Michael Moore uh, documentary. Yeah. And we broke the whole film down in the way that it framed Charlton Heston and how it spliced a couple of different interviews to make it seem like he said one thing when he actually didn't or when he was yeah. more insensitive to a specific public event. Yeah. And Michael Moore is infamous for being that kind of... Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There was also the example of... There was an interview with Marilyn Manson in that movie. The way it had been positioned to set Manson up as this really shocking character, but then present him as this in this interview that's really introspective and really thoughtful and philosophical and deep. Mm. And it's like setting him at odds so that you feel connected to this person and go, oh, maybe I was wrong about it. Yeah. Right? It's It was so fascinating. Yeah. And from there, I remember, like, I was never into astrology or anything like that. But it was put to us at the end of that year. It was like, read your star sign, then read someone else's star sign, but pretend it's yours. Yeah. It's like, you'll still find resonances because it's written that way. Yes. It's written in a way that you're going to go, oh, my God, that's me. (laughs) You know, similarly, um, so that is that is fascinating. I, yes. I, I wish that I had had a, that class available to me in high school. I didn't realize at the time, it's only been in hindsight that I realized how valuable yeah. that class was. Yeah, and that, that's what I was about to say yeah. because when I was in high school, I remember in year 12, we took government. I had a government class that I had to take and right. a part of the government class was running a mock election. And my best friend was a candidate for president. And it was my job as a part of his campaign staff. I was this, I was what was known as the spinner. So I had to watch the debates. I had to you know, follow him around. And, and everything that he did, everything that he said, every interaction that he had in the debates and stuff like that, I had to, it was my job to spin it and make him look better in comparison to the other candidates. Yeah. And so when he had a performance in the debates or something like that, it was my job to make the other candidates look bad while everything that he said was just the best thing ever. Mm. So I, it was my job to manipulate everything that was happening. And now I look back at that and I go, that is possibly the most valuable lesson that I learned in school because it's so evident now when I'm seeing it in, you know, even in, even in media that I normally prescribe to it and, and agree with, you know, media that sort of shares my values, I can still look at it and go, you're manipulating the shit out of me with that. And I can see it from a mile away. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It, it's this, it's a really helpful le- and it's hard because I don't want to be a skeptical, I, I don't want to be a cynical person. Yes. Skeptical, but not cynical. Yes. Yes. And that's a really hard line to follow because you find yourself being skeptical of everything and it can turn, not always, but it can turn into cynicism without it, without needing to be or without intending to be. Yeah. I completely, I mean, at least I I think I completely understand where you're coming from. Oh, fuck. That's a big moth. That's a, that is a moth. Bloody hell. (laughs) Um, Moth people I know think that I'm crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Poor moth. He's like, I don't know where I'm going, man. There's there's a light over here. Oh, God. Lamp. (laughs) Where's the lamp? Oh, God. That's the ceiling. That just reminded me of the Norm MacDonald moth joke. (laughs) Just the best joke ever. The lead up, the setup if, is so fucking. If there's anyone out there listening who has not seen the Norm Macdonald moth joke, do yourself a favor and get on YouTube and watch it. It is insanely entertaining, <laughs> and the payoff is just <laughs> perfect. Oh, anyway, 
Um, <laughs> oh, I've lost my train of thought now. Uh, cynicism, skepticism. Yes, um, and I was going to say... Um, yeah, having that lens to, to view things so that you know when you're being manipulated or, yeah. or, or having a heightened sense of... Yeah, and, and I think... I feel like skepticism is very important because... Yes. You know, even the media, they're just people. They're people who are reporting things. Yeah. And every person who's reporting something is naturally going to have their own perspective and their own bias, right? Yes. So, you know, even though the, uh, you know, when you're when you're getting information from a, a, a highly reputable source, you it's know. It's still biased. You're still going to have some element of bias. It's even. when it's presented as objective fact or objective truth. Yeah. That can be really problematic. It can be, yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I, I feel like there is a there's a sense that we can bring to it where we, we look at a story and we can tell whether that story is being reported in good faith. Mm. Um, and, you know, maybe there's... Depending on whether something is being reported as fact or whether it's being presented as opinion, you know, how we distinguish um, what the author's intent was and how that resonates with us personally... But we can look at the way things are reported from a human perspective and we can go, you know, these are human beings that are are reporting and doing the best they can. Mm. And, you know, maybe maybe that means I don't agree with everything they've said. Maybe that maybe they haven't gotten everything right. Maybe that next week they're gonna print a retraction about something they've said. You know, we don't that's not something we can tell. But we can separate that from the incredible amount of journal quote-unquote journalism that's out there which is done in bad faith yes because there is so much of that now yes um sensationalist yes and you know like there's a there's a chart that comes out i think once a year now that sort of positions all the different media companies against each other and where they where they fall on this chart of um, how far left or right they are and then uh that's on one axis is how far left or right they are and then the other axis is their adherence to objective fact or opinion, um, and so it's a it's a helpful chart. And I mean, even the people who are creating this chart probably have their own biases. Sure. So you know, it's not, I'm sure it's not perfect, but it is a it, it does give us a pretty good view of where things lie. Where does Fox News lie? Oh, um, uh, you you may be shocked to learn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You may be astounded to learn that actually... And on your right. <laughs> <laughs> actually, they break... Um, it's funny because... Well, it's not funny, but it's it's good that they break Fox... Because Fox News um, very cleverly has factioned itself into right. the Fox News channel. And then they've got their other program, like their headline programs, like Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity and stuff. And so this chart will actually... Separate, separate those and, wow. and say here's where they lie and then here's where Fox News lie and Fox News the the larger organization obviously right wing but it sits a bit more highly uh, in terms of uh, reporting fact against opinion and then you've got like the Sean Hannity's and the Laura Ingrams and stuff like that which are way down on the yes. on the bullshit right, either right down, <laughs> right down on that opinion line yeah yeah but you know then on the opposite side of the coin you've also got um, like you know MSNBC and and like Rachel Maddow for mm. example who actually doesn't rate that highly in terms of factual reporting mm. um, and I've my personal experience in in listening to Rachel Maddow is that she she vigorously fact checks the things that she reports but she also only reports the things that she wants to talk about sure and there it's a very narrow lens yes so you know I, I feel like it's a objectively it seems like it's it's well rated to to look at that show and go you're not getting the whole story here yeah yeah it's a it's an oversimplification because there's always been bias there has always been this progressive versus conservativeness not to the extreme that it is now mm. but there has always been those two sides of the coin yeah but but it's a sport now it's a hobby now that yes absolutely but yeah. i remember growing up in tassie we had four tv channels four same yeah Ch- uh, win tv southern cross tv abc and sbs mm. those four obviously sbs is doing more international 
reporting, mm. but ABC, Southern Cross, and Wynn, so Wynn would be Channel 9, and Southern Cross would be what is now Channel 7, but it was an amalgam of Channel 7 and Channel 10. Mm. Yeah. Um, but those four channels would be effectively reporting the same stories yeah. in the same way. Yeah. They would present the story, and then people would make up their own mind. Exactly. And it's no longer the case. No, not at all. Not yeah. at all. Like, you, you, there, there isn't a news channel that does that anymore yeah everything has leaned some way and as a progressive myself i don't like it when the progressive channels are just so blatantly yeah it's it's uh it's one of the hallmarks of being uh on the left and it's, it's actually one of our handicaps in terms of uh political expediency against the right because on the left, we tend to get our information from more diverse sources. Yes. And we tend to dislike the feeling of being led mm. or manipulated. Whereas on the right, um, they tend to unify much more readily yes. around the information that sort they have. Sort of their have. superpower. Well, I mean, it's certainly politically, it becomes a superpower, yeah, mm. because they, they are able to act like a battery, a political battering ram because they're one. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and they and That's they tend really to interesting way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah, and and they tend to get their information from uh, less diverse sources. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's an unfortunate reality. But, I mean, we um, we all want to be comfortable. We all want to hear what we want to hear, which is part of the echo chamber of social media. Yes, mm. exactly. And it's it's kind of the monster that has been created to take advantage of that. Mm. That we are so easily manipulatable yeah. because we are so obviously biased in that way. We yeah. are so flawed human beings. Uh, not just floors, but walls and ceilings and Um I feel like we should <coughs> Excuse me. Go ahead. I was gonna say I feel like we should end on a high note which would not involve an ambulance. <laughs> that high enough for you? Um, I'll <laughs> oh, stop. Sorry. So, a needle pulling thread. <laughs> one of these days, I'll get a sentence out. <laughs> Sorry. One of the one of the things that I do enjoy about social media, one of the things that I feel mm. like has been a benefit, um, is my connection to. Uh, our family yeah um particularly when uh, one or even all of us are going through something yes you know when we're dealing with something that's deeply personal and we need support um and you know the last two years we've been in a pandemic where we've been required to isolate um and unfortunately geographically our bubbles didn't intersect we weren't able to physically that's right. Even walk in a park together. Yeah, yeah. But um, we were still able to be together in a uh, yes. in a in a you know a cyber sense. Yes. Um, and you know constantly converse, make each other laugh, yes. share things that were amusing, share things that were poignant. Yeah. Um, touch each other. You know, like in yeah. a you know in in all the ways. <laughs> you know, but no. Put your phone inside yourself. I'll call you in five. <laughs> <laughs> is that what that was <laughs> um, up the good <laughs> but that that uh, I, I think you know particularly over the course of the last couple of years where we were so isolated yeah that was a, a bit of a savior was was having that connection to each other that you know we would not have otherwise had absolutely you are right to point out the positives of that because it it's so right that really our family chat is a lifesaver um, for for all the reasons that you you say there we were all able to just stay connected in the highs and the lows and be there for one another and I do feel that in some way our chosen family unit was galvanized by that yeah hundred percent. I think prior to this, we were all good friends. Mm. Um, but I really feel like something you something changed where we all really united and were like, no, these are our 
these are our people. We, yeah. we found a real common thread that yes. was yeah beyond just the the standard friendship. Like yes. yeah, and it really does feel familial. this whole episode i know we've just <laughs> our first one <laughs> um a positive from you mm. about social media huh. after you've just ranted for the past hour about how much you want to be rid of it <laughs> uh, i think it would be there uh, there are two okay there are two. Oh, we've got two well it, it's just as we were speaking about it's the connection that has been able to be galvanized by that Mm. because wherever we're at even if we're not even if we may be frustrated with one another or like wherever we're kind of at yeah that foundation is not shaken no and it's there and we're we're connected yeah and that connection is able to be ensured because of bloody social media (laughs) um which i love and i hate um, the other thing would be what I mentioned before in terms of visibility. Um, I, I like the fact that even with my limited uh, engagement with social media, I am able to in some way be visible for whoever that may help indirectly. Yeah. yeah. Whoever may see what I do or see me and have that resonate and that that even helps in the slightest way Mm. is that's a gift. Yeah. Because that's not something I can actively make happen. That's just, that's a, a byproduct of social media. Yeah. And something I'm sure as a, as a teenage boy, God, I wish I had that. Yeah. 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 What about yourself? As a teenage boy? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well. <laughs> no. Po- a positive of social media. Well, I just said mine. I, okay. Well, that's, <laughs> that's lazy. Um. Um, no. Uh, yeah. As, as I was saying before, it was, um, you know, the ability over the last couple of years to, to stay connected and like i suppose for me as well the other thing is and matter of fact we we mentioned don um earlier in the podcast so um don who uh, as we said is a an exceptionally devoted father and has essentially just refused to have a social life while his boys are young and mm. he's just going to be with them during their you know, yeah their, if he's not at work he's he's there. with his kids yeah, yeah. that's right um, but I'm able to maintain a relationship with him because yes. he and I chat so much over social media. Yeah. Um, and one of the things actually that he and I have um, bonded over as a, a, a common thread between us is that, you know, we're both American. We're, we've traveled a fair bit, um, lived in a lot of different places, had a lot of different experiences. And we were able to keep up with the people that we've known. You know, like for me, I grew up in New York. Um, I was in the Marines and then I, you know, I moved to Perth. I was in Adelaide. I was Mm. in Kalgoorlie and, you know, like I'm able to keep up with all of these people that I've known. Like the, my friends that I made in Kalgoorlie, I still talk to them literally every day, every day. Mm. Um, and so, you know, we're able to maintain those relationships across the miles and across the years because of social media. And that is a beautiful thing. Mm. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I love you, that. Do you love that? I, I love that. Do you love that? Brand love, oh, it's lovely. It's lovely. It's lovely. Do you love that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I will ever get over that kid's North English accent. It's <laughs> such a strong, like Yorkshire. It's accent. such a. It's such a good accent. I love that accent. Oh my god. Uh. Well, well, a hole in the ground. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> we we really haven't figured out a sign off. We haven't we? figured out how to wrap this up. No, no. Some in some podcasts they just say, "And that's our show." And and that's it. Indeed, indubitably. I went to the doctor today. I didn't tell oh. you. What for? Um, 
Well, <laughs> I've been having, I've been having. A, uh, Claire has mentioned for a long time that sometimes I have trouble hearing, and I've been, I've Sorry? had my yes, and I've had my hearing tested before, and they say I've had um, because I've had lots of bullets go off right yeah. in my head that I have uh, conversational hearing loss. Okay. So I went to the doctor, and the doctor said he thinks I'm going deaf. Whoa. Which, of course, was really hard for me to hear. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck all the way off. <laughs> was any of that true? No. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. I've been waiting all day to say that. <laughs> I'm whale cum. You're whale cum. Great, I'm a sperm whale. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Well, if that's not a way to finish, I don't know what it is. <laughs> Thanks for listening, folks. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> Good for you. Thanks. <laughs>